going to be picking up where we left off in our study in Philippians uh, last week. Uh, if you were with us, we looked at what it means to be able to resolve conflict. Uh, we looked at a conflict that was between two women, Yodia and Syntyche, and we found three different tools that were used to overcome offenses. Um, first one was, remember that we belong to the Lord. We're all part of the body of Christ. Just like you are loved by God, other believers are loved by God, they're valued by God, and we need to treat them as such. We need to care for them because we're all part of the same body. Secondly, be of the same mind. Don't let little things divide you. Focus on the big things. Focus on the, on the faith and the hope that we have that unite us and make allowances for other people's faults. We, we all have faults. We've been forgiven for bigger things than whatever it is they've done to us. And so make allowances for those faults. And then thirdly, be willing to get help. If, if you are struggling, um, be willing to receive help uh, either to avoid conflict or to get out of conflict and be willing to be that help to your brothers and sisters in Christ that need some help in finding healing. So that's where we were last week. Um, if you remember, Paul started this chapter um, expressing a real deep love for the Philippians, telling them how much he loved them, how much he valued them. He said that they are his joy and his crown. Um, and then back in chapter 2, he said that, that, he asked them, he said, make my joy complete in being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit, being in one mind. Paul, again, was, he's not writing all this as a list of do's and don'ts from like a legalistic standpoint. They aren't rules for rules' sake. They're because he loves his brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and more than just Paul's words of love and encouragement for them, these are God's words of love and encouragement so that we can live lives of joy and peace and contentment in Christ, in God, that that's where we would find those things. I like, think uh, Scott was talking about in communion. People look for, for this peace in other places. You know, they find their joy in things that don't last. We look for it in God. So today, uh, Paul is returning to this theme of joy that's been kind of sprinkled throughout the entire letter. Um, now, if Paul would have written this letter from uh, a tropical island on vacation, uh, or if he would have been staying at Rome's largest resort and water park, we, we might think that this theme of joy is very fitting. Um, but that's not where he's coming from. It's this, uh, and that's kind of the thing that makes Christian joy so exceptional, right? Is that we don't have to be on vacation. We don't have to be experiencing the best uh, of life. You know, the, everything's going just as planned. But even in the bad times, we can experience joy. We, it's available to us. Paul's not on vacation. He's writing this, as many of you know, because I mentioned it many times over the last couple of weeks, but he's, he's been incarcerated for the last couple of years. Uh, he's been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. Uh, he, he's now on house arrest, chained to a guard. And in the midst of it all, he returns to joy and rejoicing. So um, if, you, if we take just a quick walk back through what we've covered so far, uh, back in chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Jumping ahead to verse 18, it says, But that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way, so I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. 
chapter 2, verse 17 through 18, he says, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share in your joy. Uh, moving ahead to verse 29. Speaking of Epaphroditus, who is the one who um, brought the gifts to Paul and Paul sending the letter back with him, he says, when he returns, welcome him back in the Lord's love with great joy and give him the honor that people like him deserve. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it as a safeguard for your faith. And now today... Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Now, Paul had just finished, as I mentioned, he'd finished talking about this conflict that was happening uh, between these believers. And, and it seems maybe like he's making a um, kind of abrupt switch to giving this directive to rejoice in the Lord always. Um, and just to be clear, he says it again, he says rejoice I don't know for sure if he's moving on from his appeal to from to Yodia uh, and Syntyche, or if this is further instruction to kind of help them, because uh, it can it can really be a useful tool in over, in overcoming conflict too. Because when you when you start to rejoice, it forces you to take your eyes off of whatever the problem is and put it on God, right? And so all of a sudden whether things are going good in your life or whether they're going bad in your life, when we rejoice, it puts our eyes on the greatness of God, on his power, his majesty, his grace, his mercy, his promises for the future. When we rejoice in the Lord, our problems get smaller and the good things in our life that can sometimes want to compete for first place in our life, that can become idols in our life, uh, they find their proper place beneath God. You know, when we focus on God, we recognize the good things in our life aren't near as good as what God is. And so they can help. Uh, rejoicing helps us put things in perspective. This verse, this, uh, this theme of joy that's been woven through this letter is kind of comes, comes to a crescendo in this chapter as he's closing out this letter. Um, it's a verse that many of us have heard before. Uh, many of us have it memorized. Uh, I remember back uh, in the 80s or 90s, there was a song that we sang over and over about this one. Uh, so we, we've sang this, this verse. And, uh, and if you've ever read it in the New Living Translation, it kind of gives us um, almost a definition of rejoicing in there. It, it phrases it like this. It says, always be full of the joy, uh, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. So it's kind of saying, Rejoicing is being full of joy in the Lord. Rejoicing is being full of joy in the Lord. Have you ever tried to uh, carry a bucket of water that's completely full to the brim across your yard and not spill it? Like, you, you, can't, you can't do it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to overflow. That's how we should be when we're full of the joy of the Lord. It should be, it should be spilling out of us. It should be you know, watering those around us, as the, uh, so to speak. Um, Rejoicing is being so full of the Lord that a bunch of it spills out. But how is it possible that we could rejoice always? Right? That sounds like a, a tall ask. And uh, I'm going to say right now, uh, I, I don't think that any of us are capable of that. I, I know I'm, I'm not, I haven't got there yet. I don't always rejoice. 
But there's always reason to rejoice. There's always reason to rejoice. We can always return to rejoicing. It's, It's always available for us. We're never in a situation where we can't rejoice. So we can always rejoice, but we have to choose to rejoice. Sometimes that takes us a little bit to get there. Uh, Even in our worst circumstances, it would still be right for us to rejoice. Uh, Even, I mean, really especially in those circumstances where we find rejoicing has the most value. Um, The reason why Christians can always rejoice is simply because God loves us, uh, God has called us his own, and because of that, um, we have we have a father as we as we sang about today. We have a father that never fails us. We have a father whose promises are always true. He will always be there for us. There's there's no one and there's nothing else that can make those claims that can make those promises. Uh, people will let us down. People can hurt us. Uh, people can move away. People can pass away. Um, but God will never leave us or forsake us. Some people, uh, as Scott mentioned, they try and find their their joy in stuff. Stuff gets old. Stuff breaks. Um, Even if it doesn't break, the novelty wears off over time. Uh, And you're left wanting something bigger. You're wanting something better to fill that void. Well, God is bigger and God is better. There is no end to the novelty of God. You might have a a gadget, a phone, a vehicle. You, you're, you're, when you first get it, you're looking at all the different things that it has in it. At a, at a certain point, you reach the end of, of what is useful, what is novel, what is neat about it, and it becomes old. And then there's something new that comes out that, that, that makes this seem lesser. Um, you're not going to come to that point with God. The, the closer you get to God, the more you realize that there's more to rejoice for. And you, you dig deeper and you find more and more, not less and less. It's the opposite of what we find in our stuff. Paul is telling us to rejoice and to rejoice always. Is there, is there anybody here who hasn't, who's ever felt like they didn't want to rejoice? Or felt like you didn't want to rejoice? Uh, sometimes, sometimes we just get in a mood and we don't even know why we're in the mood. We just don't feel like rejoicing. Um, sometimes something happened. Maybe somebody frustrated us, saddened us, angered us. Uh, maybe something happened. Our, our vehicle broke down or we dropped our phone and cracked the screen. Um, <laughs> there's a million things that could steal our joy. But Paul uh, shows us in Ephesians 3.14, he shows us what happens when we redirect our thoughts onto God and we think about his unfathomable greatness. So uh, if we're looking at Ephesians uh, 3 and, and kind of t- chapter 2 into verse 3, or chapter 3, he's talking about how we as Gentiles now have the right to come to God, that we have been made part of God's family. We can come into his throne room with boldness. And so he's thinking about these things, about how we, are, we have this access to God that wasn't there before. And then uh, starting in verse 14, he says, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven. He's the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray from his glorious, unlimited resources that we, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home 
in your hearts. Christ is going to make his home in your hearts. As you trust in him, your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. It starts with, when I think of all this. Now, he was talking somewhat about what he was thinking about prior to this, but it, but it, but it includes all this stuff that he mentions afterwards. When we think about the greatness of God, the power we have through his spirit, um, that he's going to live in our hearts, that we're loved by this great God who is capable of doing more than we could possibly understand, or that he loves us more than we could possibly fathom. We always have a reason to rejoice. We all, in Christ, we always have a reason to rejoice, but we have to make the choice, right? Uh, there was a baseball player that uh, turned, became an evangelist uh, back in the early 1900s. His name was Billy Sunday, if you've ever heard of him. Uh, but uh, one time he said, he said, don't look like your Christianity hurts you. <laughs> don't look like your Christianity hurts you. You may see some Christians that, that are, you know, well, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. You know, you can have this hardness. You can have this legalisticness about you. You can have this, you can even feel burdened by the fact that you're not living up to standards, or you can just not be allowing God to be your focus and finding joy in him. Um, don't look like your Christianity hurts you. If we, press, if we profess to be Christians, we need to remember what that means. We need to remember this amazing gift of what we were given when Christ died on the cross for us. Today we spent some time remembering Christ died for us. He won that victory that allowed us to be children of God, children of the Creator. Uh, we, we can go boldly into His presence. When we, when we recognize that, when we remember that, our hearts should be full of joy, um, and it should show. One of, the, one of the definitions of rejoicing is that rejoicing is a verbal form of joy. It is joy that, is, that, that can be noticed by people around you. There's another quote from Billy Sunday. He said, uh, if you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity. There's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. Focusing on God's unlimited resources and love will fill us with unending reasons for joy, unending reasons to rejoice. But focusing on our problems, and many of which are, are outside of our ability to control, we can't even, we can't fix them. Um, when we focus on them, they can create major leaks. So, so God is there able to fill us to overflowing but if we're focused somewhere else, we can create major holes where that joy just falls out of our bucket. There, uh, there are going to be days, though, there's going to be situations where we don't really feel like rejoicing. But as those who belong to the Lord, 
we are called to reflect his greatness. We're, we're, we're supposed to remind ourselves of his greatness so that we can reflect it to the world around us. We, we're called to make a choice. Are we going to, are we going to stay in the, in the puddle of our despair? Or are we going to recognize the ocean of God's great love and his promises and his power? We can be in the puddle or we can be in the ocean. And, and the puddle may seem big if that's what we're focused on, but it's nothing compared to the ocean. Continuing uh, in Ephesians, so Paul, after thinking about all this stuff, there, this is the response that happens when he, he, he focused on all of this great love of God and, and all that, that he has in Christ. He, sa- he says in verse 20 and verse 21, he says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. The the joy that filled his heart when he thinks about who God is and his greatness overflows in him. That sounds like overflowing joy as, as he thinks about God's greatness. We can focus on our issues or we can praise God who is able through his mighty power to work in us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever ask or think. Now, Paul didn't just teach this, but he also uh, practiced it in real life. If, if we look back, uh, we keep on looking back to the, his first visit in Philippi, or we have several times over the last few weeks. But during his first visit to Philippi, um, he was, he'd been preaching in town, and there was a slave girl that had been following them around. And one day they cast the demon out of her. There was a demon in her. She was actually, her masters were using her uh, to make money. She was uh, telling fortunes through the, the influence of this demon. And so they cast the demon out of her and the, her masters got very upset. They, they grabbed Paul and Silas, drug them before the authorities. Um, and before they had a chance for any real trial or anything, uh, a mob had formed. They were beaten, um, severely beaten, and thrown into dungeon. Not just the dungeon, but it says into the inner dungeon. And then they were, they were put in stocks. Their feet were put in stocks. And so this is the situation they were in. Many of us would say that, that uh, they didn't really have any reason to rejoice. Right? That doesn't sound like a good situation to be in. Um, they were not having a great day. But in Acts uh, 16, verse 25 through 26, it says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. So many translations that go on to describe this singing is not just um, singing hymns, but it says they were singing praises is what one translation says. Another translation says they were singing hymns of praise. So in prayer, they were able to switch their focus off of their situation and and move it on to God. And uh, in remembering God and their relationship with him, their hope in him, and that his plan for them was still intact, that he was far greater than whatever pain it is they could experience. And then their decision to rejoice had everyone's attention. 
that, and then interesting, it says the other prisoners were listening. Now, I don't, it's the middle of the night. I don't know that they had a lot of, a lot of choice in the situation they were in than to listen, but, but it sounds like he, they had their attention. There was something about, I mean, seeing a couple of guys who have been beaten and locked up in an inner dungeon singing praises, not, not, not singing woe is me's, but singing praises, uh, it had their attention. Um, it's just such an important thing for us to remember. The, the world is, is watching us, right? The world is watching us. They see us when things are going well. They see us when things are not going well. Um, and uh, when joy is overflowing out of us, even when, when times are not the best, um, when, when we can say that God is good and that we can say that God is worthy to be praised um, and, 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 it's, and they can see it on our faces, even when we lose our job or we experience a death or we're having a conflict or, or a relationship that's a little broken with a with friend or family, when we are displaying an aunt uh, an authenticity to our faith that we can't just express in, in words alone. When those situations are, are an opportunity for us to show that our God is real and that our faith is solid in Him and that we have hope in Him um, that, that the world doesn't have. Paul and Silas didn't know these prisoners. They weren't trying to just look good in front of uh, you know, it's not like you're in front of your, your boss or your, your family or whatever, and you're just trying to look good. They, they didn't know these people. Um, they just found themselves in need, and they turned to the one who is the only so- source of joy that is greater than any source of contention, any source of pain, anything that the world can throw at them. And they did it in a, openly, and, and, and the world saw it. The prisoners saw it, and they were listening and then, uh, and then the amazing happened. This was definitely a, a night that these prisoners, even if I, I think that would have been enough, that they would have never forgot that night, just seeing the, the, what would have seemed very odd to see people praising in their situation. But then uh, moving on to verse 26, we see God's powerful response to their praise, where it says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations and the doors immediately flew open and their chains, the chains of every prisoner fell off. Just fell off. God gave a powerful sign to Paul and Silas and really to everybody in the prison that even in that situation, God is still in control. Even when it, they're locked up and it's like, how are we going to be a witness in this situation? And, and, God, God made them a witness um, and, and had a powerful effect on, on, on the other prisoners and on the jailer himself. When we choose to praise God in the midst of our trials, God may not shake the earth. We might not, you know, we might not, might not feel that, that external uh, shaking, but God can break the chains of depression. He can break the sadness. He can break the anger. He is able to accomplish more than we can ask or think. Said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. 
Joying the Lord supersedes circumstances. Um, do you and I always rejoice when things go poorly? Not, not always, at least not, not right away. Oftentimes there's a bit of a, a pause. Uh, we don't really know if Paul and Silas praised right away. They got arrested sometime during the day. And we know that uh, the earthquake and the chains breaking happened around midnight. Somewhere in between there, they started praising, but, but it might have taken them a little bit. They might have had to remember. They might have had to think about who God was and is and, and that he's still in control and, and, and allow that, their faith to overcome their circumstances. Uh, my guess is it, it, it probably took them a little bit. Um, I know it, it takes me a little bit sometimes. Um, sometimes we stay in the situation and we feel miserable waiting for God to fix the situation so we can be happy again. But joy is not contingent on our circumstances. Joy is a choice to, relax, to react to life's circumstances with faith. With faith that, that the circumstances are not greater than God. Be full of joy in the Lord. The reason for joy is that we are in the Lord. Um, things are not going around you, going well around you. Remember, you are in the Lord. You have disagreements with your family and friends. Remember, you are in the Lord. Um, you're in a bad mood and you're not even really sure why. You are in the Lord. We can choose joy. Now, I think joy is kind of tied to the next, the next point, and um, we're going to see it as we move into verse 5. So we're slowly moving through the end of, of uh, Philippians. But uh, Philippians 4, verse 5 says, Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Considerate in all you do. That, that word considerate um, is one of the words that it seems like translators struggle with a little bit to find the perfect English word to, to substitute uh, for the Greek word used. Um, if we look at some different translations, we see that in the NIV, it's translated gentleness. Uh, in the ESV, it's reasonableness. In the King James Version, it's moderation. Uh, ASV, it's, it's translated forbearance. <clears throat> and, then, and then if you look at a bunch of other translations, they, they, um, they tag along the word spirit or attitude right alongside of it. So it's kind of um, that you have a gentle spirit or a reasonable spirit. So basically what it is, it's, it's the manner in which you should approach everything you do. The manner in which you should approach everything you do. Um, one teacher I listened to described this attitude or spirit like this. He said, uh, it's an appropriate gentleness that comes from confidence. And it is a moderate paniclessness. A moderate paniclessness. An appropriate gentleness that comes from confidence and is a moderate paniclessness. Uh, the attitude, um, this is the attitude that, uh, that we should have. It's an attitude that is built on existing confidence. And where does this confidence come from? says, remember, the Lord is coming soon. We can have confidence because we know the Lord is coming soon. Uh, there were times when I was a kid, um, and uh, my parents would leave me at home with my sisters, and I was the younger brother, and so it was my responsibility to make sure that I annoyed my older sisters. And so 
So I did my best at that. Um, I think my oldest sister was seemed to be the most reactive. So that's where I really tried to put the most, you know, you put, you put your effort where you can have the most gain. So, <laughs> so that's, that was kind of my goal. And, and for a while it, it worked really well, but I feel like as she got older, she kind of started to learn that it wasn't worth fighting back. She knew that she didn't do anything wrong, um, that I was, I was the one who was being the problem, and that mom and dad were coming soon. Right? She didn't have to get worked up. They would take care of it. So the Lord is coming soon. The Lord is coming soon. Whatever the situation is, God is able to handle it. We don't have to panic. We don't have to worry. The Lord is coming soon. Uh, many people, um, many of us uh, have at some point in our lives had to deal with maybe a, a tired toddler, right? Um, sometimes maybe they're demanding something from us and uh, they may be acting very poorly. Uh, they may even tell you that they don't love you anymore. Um, but we don't have to react to that. We, as, as parents, we understand they're, you know, they're a small child, um, they're, they're tired, they have reasons. Um, we, can, we don't have to worry that they're going to overpower us and, and force their will upon us. Um, instead, we recognize, we recognize they're tired and we try most of the time to respond in gentleness. Sometimes they need a, a little bit more firmness, but, but, uh, but there's, you know, it's the confidence that we have as an parent and, and recognizing that they just... They just don't get it, you know, or they're just in a place where they they need a little time. Um, But we can respond in confident gentleness. Um, In the world, there's a lot of people who kind of respond a little bit like toddlers. Um, They're blind to the truth. They don't understand. They may not even understand why it is that they're lashing out. But God wants to express to them his confident gentleness. Uh, He's not going to give into their tantrums and give them what they want, but he calls to them. He calls to them with a with a gentleness, with with no panic, but with a calm love. When we think about uh, the cross, as we did today during communion, we think of Jesus was up on the cross and the people were crucifying him, and he said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." They know now what to do. He could have called down a legion of angels. He could have wiped them out. He could have opened up the, the earth and swallowed them up. Um, but he had a calm confidence. He, he was going to show them love. And, uh, and he knew that as being God, he knew the Father was more than able. Uh, and he knew that what he was doing was in God's plan. And, and God has a plan. He has a purpose. And he's going to work it out, whether it looks to us, now, now Jesus knew, he knew what the plan was and he knew how it was going to work the whole time. We don't always know what the plan is. Sometimes it looks to us like it probably looked to Paul and Silas at first when they're being beaten and thrown into jail that something is going awry. But we can turn and we can redirect our focus on God and his greatness and know that he is able to do more than we ask or think. And all of a sudden we can turn to joy knowing that he's got this. You know, the world may be saying we've got the victory, but we know the victory has already been won. Looking back again at how uh, this chapter started, 
Uh, if, you, if you remember, way at the very beginning, it started with the word therefore. So last week we started with therefore, and then uh, we look back at the last couple verses of chapter 3, uh, and we're going to do that again today to find out what that therefore was there for again. So it started off uh, chapter 3, verse 20. Verse 20, 21, I don't know, maybe I don't have that one. Okay, well, you've heard it before, I'll remind you again. Uh, But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. And he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he brings everything under his control. Okay, so therefore... Dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. Because of the fact that that God has made us citizens of heaven, um, because of the fact that that he's going to give us new bodies, because of the fact that he has a future where everything is going to match up with his control, like there's not going to be any of this sin, there's not going to be any of this this, um, chaos that we live in, Therefore, dear brothers and and sisters, stay true to the Lord. So what does it mean to stay true to the Lord? What does it mean to live as citizens of heaven or as those who belong to the Lord? Last week, um, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Uh, Last week, we could have said that it means, therefore, settle your disagreements and be reconciled to each other. This week, Paul adds to this description of what does it mean to be uh, true to the Lord can be, therefore, always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say again, oh, I jumped ahead there. It says, always be full of the joy of the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Um, also today, we, add, we can add, therefore, be considerate, be gentle in all that you do. And uh, next week, just a, a teaser for next week, we're going to moving moving forward into... Uh, into the next probably three or four verses, and it's going to be, therefore, don't worry, instead pray. If we're going to be true followers of the Lord, therefore, fix your eyes on what is true and what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely and admirable, and therefore, keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me. So to sum it all up, if we take all of this, therefore, stay true to the Lord, it's therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord, Live as citizens of heaven, as those who belong to the Lord, and remember, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that you would would help us to fix our eyes on you. Lord, uh, as... Brandon was sharing uh, during worship earlier. He's talking about how uh, he was overwhelmed. When we, when we sing praises, when we fix our eyes on you, we can be overwhelmed with your love. We can be overwhelmed with your greatness. Uh, we can be overwhelmed uh, to the point that we can rejoice even when circumstances don't warrant it. Even when it seems like things are, are not going the way we planned and, and we don't even understand exactly how you're going to work it for good, but we know that you will because you will work all things for good to those who are called according to your, 
good purposes, Lord, that, that you have a plan for us, you have a purpose for us, Lord. Um, Lord, I pray that you would help us to let joy flow out of us, that we would have faces that express that we are joyful, that, uh, as uh, I'm trying to remember how it was that uh, Billy Sunday said it, but, but that, uh, that we wouldn't look like our Christianity hurts us, Lord. Help us to, uh, to be so near to you, Lord, and recognize uh, how great you are, how deep, how wide, how long uh, your love is, how, how, how it's beyond our understanding, Lord. Help us to understand it a little bit. <laughs> Help us to understand it to a point that, that we can reflect uh, a confidence in you that maybe we haven't had for a while, that we would be able to stand firm in the love that we're receiving from you in a way that the world will see it and that their hearts will be softened um, by, by the, the authenticity of, of a Christian uh, rejoicing even amidst of things that should be bringing them down, Lord. Let us fix our eyes on you that, you, that our bucket would be full and overflowing and that it would be watering those around us, softening them to hear your word. wasn't sure if I was going to sh- share this. I didn't put it in my notes, and then today I felt like I, I, I should have. I texted. There's a song that came to me uh, this week that I just thought, I don't know, I love, I don't know, I like leaving with a song that, that really um, can remind me of the message, and, I, and, I, uh, and, and this, it's, this is a response. What we're singing here, we're singing a response to who God is and how great he is. Um, but there's a song that I heard that, that, uh, that gives us the questions that we can ask ourselves that can help us come back to this, that can come back to praise. Um, and uh, it's a song called Good God Almighty. I don't know if you've, if you've heard that on the radio or not. Um, but uh, part of it goes, it says, Good God Almighty, I hope you find me praising your name no matter what comes. Because I, I know where I'd be without your mercy, so I keep praising your name at the top of my lungs. And then the, the chorus goes, Tell me, is he good? He is good. Tell me, is he God? He is God. He is good God Almighty. So if you're trying to figure out, you know, how do I get out of this funk? How can I praise even when the situation seems bad? Ask yourself, is he good? He is good. Is he God? He is God. He is good God Almighty. Amen. Go rejoicing in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Amen.